wrote some thoughts down on my way back from East Texas this morning, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to share those with you today. Uh, I sent them a uh, scripture that I'm going to read to you in a moment, but I want to read a couple of passages from that scripture out of the NIV first, and then I'm going to read out of the message. So this is from Hebrews 2. And talking about Jesus, he says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And he goes on, he says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So yeah, if you want to jump to, what was that, verse 5 in the message, I'll start there. I should say, Brianna was originally going to speak about the crucifixion within the context of this Remember series that we're doing, and so that's the baton I'm picking up this morning and sharing just some of my own reflections. So yeah, Hebrews 2, uh, starting in verse 5 out of the message version, says this. Yeah, do you have that the message version? I think that's still the NIV. What? Oh, well, I pasted the text for the message, so that's why I was confused. Okay, let's see. So just listen. Here we go. God didn't put angels in charge of this business of salvation that we're dealing with here. It says in Scripture, what is man and woman that you bother with them? Why take a second look their way? You made them not quite as high as angels, bright with Eden's dawn light. Then you put them in charge of your entire handcrafted world. When God put them in charge of everything, nothing was excluded. But we don't see it yet. Don't see everything under human jurisdiction. What we do see is Jesus made not quite as high as angels. So made human, right? What we do see is Jesus made human. And then through the experience of death, crowned so much higher than any angel, with a glory bright with Eden's dawn light. In that death, by God's grace, he fully experienced death in every person's place. It makes good sense that the God who got everything started and keeps everything going now completes the work by making the salvation pioneer perfect, through suffering, as he leads all these people to glory. Since the one who saves and those who are saved have a common origin, Jesus doesn't hesitate to treat them as family, saying, I'll tell my good friends, my brothers and sisters, all I know about you. I'll join them in worship and praise to you. Again, he puts himself in the same family circle when he says, Even I live by placing my trust in God. 
And yet again, I'm here with the children God gave me. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. It's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. Uh, certainly, uh, my drive is uh, drive here this morning is not a, enough time to give a comprehensive treatment of either the theological or practical implications of the crucifixion. Uh, although I'm fairly convinced, if I poured a hundred hours into it, I still wouldn't accomplish that goal. Uh, but nonetheless, as I said, I just want to share a few thoughts for you to reflect on. As I, as I look to the crucifixion as this time and place marked by God, this historical event that the apostles say they witnessed with their very eyes and went to their death proclaiming, as I look at that time, that place, that event, where God was both doing and saying something, as I ponder that, one of the cornerstones we take from to build our faith upon, is the reality that we have fellowship with Jesus. We have fellowship with him. And I realize that phrase can be a little bit difficult to connect with. It's one of those things, uh, somebody said earlier, it's like you know what it, oh, obscurity, right? Yeah, you know what it means, but you don't know what it means, right? Fellowship, fellowship with Jesus. It feels so vague and fluid or something. So let me tell you what I mean by that, when I say we have fellowship with Jesus, I think what this Hebrew writer gets at, at least in part, is how powerfully binding um, shared experience can be between humans, right? Whether those experiences are bad or good can be fairly irrelevant or at least less important. What's important is that we both had them, right? And that shows up in a million different forms, right? It connects us with our siblings who had a similar upbringing. We shared so much experience. We had the same parents in both their strengths and in their weaknesses. We can sit around and remember family trips or the shows we watched after school or when our parents got divorced on the other end, right? And, and when we struggled together kind of... Uh, in our own ways to adjust to a new normal. Those things connect us, right? Uh, soldiers often experience something so unique in their service uh, overseas that we can't possibly, without sharing that experience, fully empathize with what that's like and what kind of baggage that leaves them with. And that gives them this automatic sense of camaraderie when they meet somebody that's shared that experience, right? It's like, oh, finally, like someone that can fully, 100% empathize with this experience. 
when we struggle with some sort of addiction, we go to support groups with people who share that addiction, right? They get it. We need someone who gets it, who's not on a different frequency. I remember being uh, in Europe with my brother Brandon years ago, and we were doing this hike, and we, we'd pass people every so often, and they would, you know, we're always speaking other languages. We could kind of hear them as we came, or as they came towards us, and so we would just kind of wave and smile, universal, right, and, and move on. But, you know, at one point, real far into this, uh, we hear this young couple speaking English, and, you know, our ears perk up, and we're like, oh, our people, right? <laughs> And uh, they're not speaking with a British accent or something. No, these were uh, Americans. And the craziest part of that story is they were from Plano. <laughs> they both graduated from Plano East, which is where Brandon and I both graduated from. And yeah, it's wild. You automatically, you feel this certain level of brotherhood and comfort, right? You have this shared life experience, this shared experience of the world, this shared history and... Uh, uh, appreciation for certain kinds of food and certain traditions and this overall sense that we're better than the rest of the world, <laughs> right? It's this connection. And on another trip, <clears throat> uh, this time with my dad, we went to India to visit this Indian pastor that our, our church in Garland supports. And and everywhere they went, they made us speak, which is super awkward no matter what when you don't know the people you're talking to. Even more awkward when they're from a third world country on the other side of the world, right? Uh, and you don't sense we have shared experiences of life, right? Uh, on top of that, you're speaking with a translator, which if you've never done that, is super awkward. So this, this was just rough, and we laughed all the time thinking about it and just how dumb we sounded. I mean, my dad, we have, I thank the Lord I have it on video. He, he was talking to this little, uh, you know, it was a little fishing village on the coast. And he, <laughs> number one, he said, we bring you greetings, which I'm like, that feels like something you do when you land on another planet, <laughs> which is how we felt in some ways, you know. Um, that was like my first foray out of the country. And I was, yeah, it was culture shock to the max. But yeah, so he said, we bring you greetings. And he almost said, like, from the Northeast Church. But then he was like, that makes no sense. Like, these aren't even Christians. They're not going to understand what, you know, what the heck I'm talking about. And so he says, we bring you greetings from, and he pauses and he says, America. And I, <laughs> I was like, all right, Christopher Columbus here, you know. Um, but yeah, but even in that place, like I remember, okay, we spoke to this one, you know, Hindu village, you know, who Sugamar was really just kind of trying to take care of, help them get by. They'd, you know, basically been wiped out by a tsunami, and so, you know, at least they'd kind of rebuilt their little village. He'd bought them, you know, fishing nets, and just kind of, that was part of what our, our church was doing, you know. Um, and... You know, the difference between speaking to that group and then speaking to this group of like 50 indigenous pastors that he had fellowship with. And I'm like, I grew up in Plano, Texas as a, you know, upper middle class white guy, right? I mean, life experiences are here and here. And I felt that so extremely with one group of those people. And while I did feel it some with this other group of people, there was this connection, right? 
There was this sense that, that we shared something. We shared experiences. We shared values, traditions. We had a shared hope. We shared a deep love for God and for mankind. So without knowing each other's names, I probably couldn't pronounce many of their names. We are partners in Christ. Brothers, we have fellowship. And so that's what I'm thinking about when I say we have fellowship with Jesus in part because of the crucifixion. The Hebrew writer's telling us in not so many words, Jesus knows what it's like to celebrate a birthday, just like he knows what it's like to stub his toes, right? He knows what it's like to work hard at learning something. He's been in trouble with his parents. He's laughed and eaten good food with friends just like he's been hungry and thirsty and lonely. He's been joyful, and he's been so anxious that he sweat blood. He has experienced life, and he's gone ahead of us in death. Beyond the theology of it all, Jesus is a brother. Jesus is a fellow soldier. Jesus is a stranger who speaks our language and who shares our hope. We have fellowship with him. Closer than a brother. And ultimately, we have that in him because he didn't hold himself back. And that's the other side of this that I thought about this morning. He didn't hold himself back. Again, you, you take a mental walk through your life experiences and you see the myriad of ways that we do this. We withhold parts of ourselves. We withhold parts of ourselves in relationships. You know, maybe you can think of your first romantic relationship and see the way that you do that. Out of fear, we, we kind of withhold part of ourselves. Out of a fear of being rejected, a fear of being judged, a fear of looking foolish, a fear of just not feeling in control, right? It's scary. We withhold part of ourselves, even just the fear of uncertainty. We certainly withhold our stuff, right? Our time, our energy, our money, our things. We wrestle with questions of how much is too much to give, or at least maybe that's a better question than we often ask, which is how much is enough to give, right? How much is enough? How much is too much? What's wise? What's balanced? Right? And those are all great questions to ask so long as balanced doesn't become the king of your heart. Right? In the absence of the Holy Spirit's leading, balance isn't a bad thing to strive for. But God didn't first call us to live a life of balance. I can't think of a scripture that uses that language. He called us to live out a life of faith one day at a time. And we know from reading our Bible that sometimes that is going to lead us to extremes. Sometimes following God in faith, walking in the shadow of Jesus is going to make you look like a crazy person. Sometimes God is going to ask you to do something that isn't sensible. And that doesn't mean it isn't good. It just means it's not going to seem sensible to you right now. He told Abraham to put Isaac on an altar. He told Moses, this stuttering coward basically, 
to take on Pharaoh's army. And he put the author of life on a cross next to two criminals. Praise God, Jesus didn't do the sensible thing. Praise God that balance wasn't the king of his heart. Amen. He didn't withhold himself from us. He went all in. He pushed in all of his chips. He says, what's mine is yours. Even more, what I am is yours. I am willing to be judged by men not worthy to be judged. I am willing to be rejected by my closest friends and my family. I am willing to be mocked publicly and look like a fool to be pitied by all. I am willing to give myself over to uncertainty, even the uncertainty of death, depending wholly and completely on God to show up and act. Otherwise, I am going to be in that tomb for the rest of eternity. And I am willing to look like a madman, to take myself so far outside of what's sensible that people will think I am just some crazy, deceived fanatic. And I will do it, not first because it's what's good for me, but because of it's good for you. I will not withhold myself. For the joy set before me, I will not hold back. And that is good news this morning, right? And that is the man we've been invited to follow. And that is the man we're going to remember now. The praise team's going to come up and play some music uh, while we serve ourselves communion. So we would just invite you, if you'd like to take part in that, uh, we'll go uh, one row at a time and just come up the middle, uh, grab your uh, communion elements and go back down the sides and, and have a seat. <coughs> 